Are you ready for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that question can mean different things, can't it? You know, have you done all your Christmas shopping yet? You done all your finished putting up all your decorations? Are you ready for Christmas? Can also mean, are you ready for the arrival of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the Savior of your entire household? Are you ready for that? The answer should be, not quite yet, right? Because we haven't worshipped through the four Sundays and Wednesdays of Advent yet. Uh, that's one way to get ready. That's a good way to get ready for the birth of Jesus on Christmas morning. To, it's a good way to prepare your heart and mind for it by hearing the Word of God, singing the Advent hymns, giving back to God a portion of the blessings that He gives you, and communing at His table. In that respect, you and I are partially ready for Christmas. We have more hymns to sing, more to participate in, including our upcoming drive through nativity that we're going to have here on campus on the 19th. More ancient words to hear. Ancient words. What do you think about that? What do you think when you hear the words, ancient words? You know, somewhere a while back, I read that a preacher should refrain from talking about the story of God's plan of salvation as ancient. Because we Americans today consider anything ancient to be of no value or use. You know, we even use the word ancient to mean anything older than yesterday, right? Yeah, I don't want to tell you about my past. That's ancient history. Oh, don't look at that, you know, or look at that abandoned farmhouse. You know, that thing is ancient. So the thinking is, you know, if we're always considering the Word of God as ancient, we're going to come to think that it's somehow irrelevant to us today. No, not, not speaking to, to today's contemporary or modern ears. Well, God's written Word may, in fact, not be so ancient, depending on how you look at it. When Jill and I were in Israel, I was given a little history lecture by our tour guide after I improperly referred to some Roman ruins that we were in as ancient. Roman. Roman Empire. I mean, to us, anything Roman is really old. Apparently not in, not in Israel, though. In the Holy Land, when you say ancient, you mean the Bronze Age, the Phoenician Empire, and the time of Abraham and the patriarchs before him, thousands of years before the Roman Empire and the time of Christ. That's ancient. Which, that's the case, then that would mean the prophets like Isaiah are fairly contemporary. <laughs> the birth of Jesus and the disciples in Galilee Man, that's almost modern history in Israel. Yet there's nothing wrong or irrelevant to, to us today if we believe and confess that Yahweh is the God of ancient Israel. There's nothing wrong with that. He made ancient Israel his own covenant people through his servant Abraham, a forerunner of Jesus. 
This God of ancient Israel is the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. And so if you're talking the creation, you are going back a long time. He's the only God who deserves to be heard and worshipped no matter the time. Through, the, his, through his prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, he spoke to people 2,700 years ago and what he said to them remains his speech to us in 2020 and tomorrow. Today we want to hear and listen. We want to take in his words, God's words through his prophet Isaiah into our hearts. We want to let these not so ancient, this not so ancient prophet Isaiah speak to us today. He calls us to get ready for Christmas. So, are you ready? Here's my translation from the Hebrew of our verses from Isaiah today. And I hope I haven't butchered it too much. My, he my Hebrew is getting a little rusty. But I have books to help me out with this. So I think I'm on track here. He says, look, the day of Yahweh is coming. Cruel and with anger and hot wrath. Uh, the, the word for hot wrath and anger is the same as a burning nose. So, you know, you, you know someone is so steamed up and burning with anger that is, the end of his nose is red. That's how God is described when he's described in the Hebrew Bible with anger. It's the same word as for a hot nose burning red. Kind of interesting, isn't it? He's coming, cruel and with anger and hot wrath, to destine the earth to desolation. Oh, Merry Christmas, everyone. And its sinners he will exterminate from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not shine their light. The sun will have become dark when it goes forth. And the moon will not make its light bright. And I will visit in punishment against the world it's evil, and against the wicked their iniquity, and I will make cease or make stop the pride of the presumptuous ones, the haughty people, the prideful people, and the proudness of the terrible ones I will lay low. I will make humans sparer than fine gold, and man sparer than the gold of Ophir. Apparently that was a very precious and rare gold, Ophir. Therefore, the heavens I will convulse. Now, I really like that line. That's a, a difficult word to translate, convulse. But imagine the whole heavens. You know, on the 21st of this month, if you look out in the west, you're going to see Jupiter and Saturn, closest they've ever been together since the 13th century, since the year 12-something. Uh, with the naked eye, it's going to look like they're one star, but if you use binoculars or a telescope, you'll, you'll still be able to see them separate. Uh, but it's just, you know, it makes you think of uh, how our solar system is all running. You know, if God were to just, you know, with his finger, just plink Neptune and just plink it out of its orbit, you know, the whole thing would just be disrupted and we would, you know, our earth would, everything would just spin out of control, right? And so here in this verse from Isaiah God is saying he's going to make everything just convulse. All these planetary 
solar systems that are all in this motion, perfectly going, are just going to be all thrown out of whack. <laughs> uh, but I'm getting off track here. Uh, he says, And the earth will shake out of its place by the anger of Yahweh of hosts. And in the day of his smoldering wrath... Babylon and Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms. Now, this is interesting, too. You know, we often think of Babylon as the evil empire, this evil city way out to the east of Jerusalem or Judea. And, you know, they were the bad guys that came and captured Israel and took them away to their land for 70 years, right? But actually, Babylon was, uh, um, uh, was the pride of the pride of the, well, when I say ancient world, uh, and the not-so-ancient world. It was a fabulous city, right, where people would go to gaze at its splendors and buy things, luxurious goods at their wonderful shops. But they were a haughty and prideful people and kingdom, and so God says, and Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms, the splendor of the pride of the Chaldeans. Remember, the Babylon was not God's. Uh, Jerusalem was God's city, not Babylon. Will become like God's overthrow, like, yeah, God's overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah. But Yahweh will show compassion to Jacob. Well, Jacob who? This one guy named Jacob? I mean, by the time Isaiah is writing this, the Jacob from uh, the, old, the old patriarch Jacob, he's been long gone. The prophet Jacob, maybe his contemporary, well, that wouldn't make sense. Well, Jacob, the house of Jacob, it's still the house of Israel, meaning the house of Israel, all Israel. God will show compassion to them. Well, Isaiah isn't exactly referring to the day Jesus will be born in Bethlehem here in these verses. That's, that's not what he's talking about. That's the first arrival of God in the flesh. Isaiah is talking about the second arrival. He's, he's actually skipping over the birth of the Messiah and going right to the final day when Jesus returns, the last day. So, are you ready for that day? Are you ready for the day of the Lord God Almighty? Isaiah calls you and I to take heed. For the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and earth, will come in a terrible way. It's a frightening picture. Frightening for the goats, right? As I mentioned a couple of Sundays ago, I think. The Almighty Creator of the heavens and the earth will come into His universe and will come to earth in all of His raw power. The entire cosmos will become undone. The heavenly bodies will go dark and, as you heard Paul say, dissolve, burn up and dissolve. The heavens will convulse, the earth will shake, life will, no, will not be able to go on as usual. People are worried about climate change and pollution. But the human race is going to fade out because of that. Well, that's nothing compared to the last day. The entire creation will come unhinged. Why will God do this? Because 
He will come in his, with his hot burning nose of anger against sin for the final showdown. He will come to punish Satan and the wicked for their evil and iniquity. It will be judgment day. See, sinners are curved in on themselves. They strive to be self-determining, self-directed, self-absorbed, self-centered, and self-glorifying. It's what we know as original sin. The desire to be on our own, do things on our own, and to replace God with, I don't know, ourselves. In Isaiah chapter 13, the prophet breaks all, he breaks us out of all our misguided self-security and complacency and calls us and all sinners to listen and take heed. The day of the Lord is coming. You are accountable to your maker and so am I. We're not accountable only to ourselves. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not, whether it makes you feel good or not, it's the truth. There is coming a judgment day when everyone has to stand before the Creator and judge of all. The potter gets to judge the pots. Well, he made them after all. The day of the Lord is coming, and this will mean utter humiliation for all human pretensions and pride. Now, at the time of Isaiah, Babylon was the glory capital, as I mentioned. And she was admired for her splendor and beauty. She was the New York City of her time. I know you've been to New York, and not all parts of it are great, huh? Same with Babylon. But her reputation was glorious. In response, Isaiah proclaimed, God will make Babylon like Sodom and Gomorrah, those cities that got destroyed by fire, a wasteland, a place only for desert creatures to occupy. Because sinners have rebelled against their own Creator, God and His just wrath will remove them from His sight. It's a frightening prospect for all the goats in the world and lost sheep who never return to their, or never turn from their own pride and listen to the shepherd's voice. The New Testament affirms and repeats this threat. The Apostle Paul calls it, calls it the wrath to come. It will come like a thief in the night. We all need to hear this warning. It is so easy to become preoccupied with our own daily concerns, to become curved in to ourselves, and we Americans are tempted to become infatuated with the rich and famous, admiring their glory. We need to hear Isaiah 13 and to let it lead us to repentance, to say daily, and we already have today, but to say tomorrow and the next day and the next day till next Sunday, God be merciful to me, a sinner. For in you, Lord, there is good news. Isaiah did not stop with the threats from God. He went on to set forth a contrast. The self-glorifying kingdoms of the world like Babylon will have no future, but God's Israel will have a future. But Yahweh will show compassion to Jacob, the house of Israel. You and I are now the house of Israel. 
Isaiah promised that God would show compassion toward his people Israel and restore them. He would bring them back from exile to make them his very own people again. And that's what he's done through his son Jesus Christ. He began to do that even before Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. He brought the Israelites back to Jerusalem in the 500s and 400s before Jesus. And that was only the beginning. The fulfillment came with Jesus. In order to restore God's Israel, Jesus went through our deserved punishment himself. He took the wrath of God on himself in the place of sinful Israel and in the place of all sinners, including you and me. He became the suffering servant promised in Isaiah 53, which we will hear from later. The iniquity of all sinners was laid upon him. He suffered punishment we all deserve. Yahweh laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's from Isaiah 53 as well. He received God's justice in place of all the guilty. And his righteousness is reckoned to the, to the multitude of sinners. My friends, this is a blessed exchange. Our sins went on him, the scapegoat, and his righteousness was given, accounted to us. Through the gospel, God gives you that righteousness and that status before Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, the, ju the judge, the, the, the judger of the pots, right? <laughs> we are the clay, he is the potter. And the good news is, along with that, you need, you need not fear that coming day of judgment. You belong to Jesus by faith. You were baptized into him. Jesus himself said all authority was given to him. On that last day, Jesus is the one who will judge the living on the dead. And that'll be a terrible day of wrath for all the goats of this world in their own iniquity. But to you and I, the sheep who are clothed in his robes of righteousness, it will be a glorious day. And it's coming soon, my friends, very soon. So, are you more ready for Christmas now? Good. You've heard once again that Jesus comes as a gift for you to change you from a sinner doomed to judgment on the last day to his child who lives forever with him and all believers. Next time, someone like me who asks you that tired old cliche, so are you ready for Christmas? You can say, I'm getting readier each day with the help of God, thanks to his promise to me and you that he comes to save us. Amen.